If you will, open up your Bibles to Acts, the first chapter, and uh, we're going to talk today about power, and um, power from a Bible standpoint. And so probably as we get going along here, I'm going to change the word to what the Greek word is and use it interchangeably. Uh, there are different Greek words for power in the Bible, just like there's different Greek words for love and different things like that. But the word power here, when Jesus talked to the disciples, they had traveled with him for three and a half years. They were familiar with Holy Spirit power. Let me make make that statement. They, and, and we've all probably used our imagination and thought, man, if you were with Jesus, you would have seen Holy Spirit power in action, in demonstration all the time. Whether it was calming the sea, whether it was getting finances, you know, through a fish, a coin in its mouth, you know, go catch the first. I mean, these are releases of power. From people getting healed to wind and waves stopping, this is a release of divine power. And uh, the disciples were aware that uh, when you use the term Holy Spirit, uh, that that was a term of a demonstration of God's power. And so after he died, he said this to the disciples. He told them, you guys go wait until I pour out the Holy Spirit. And he said this in the first chapter in the eighth verse, He said, but you shall receive power. You shall receive power. Now, was this power just for them or whoever? You know, it's a good question because if we don't answer that question, we could see this power in demonstration in their life and go, well, the problem is we don't have this same power that they have. Or we don't have the opportunity they had. Therefore, we can only look back and dream. We can't have real power in our lives today. We just kind of make our way into heaven and there it is. But he said, you shall receive power. Well, the Greek word, like I said, I may change and start using a different word. This Greek word right here is the word dunamis or dynamis. It's actually pronounced dunamis, but it looks like D-Y, you know, N, dun, it's dynamis is how it looks, but it's actually dunamis. But it's where we get our word in, in, in the States here or in the English language of dynamite. And not the guy from that movie rerun or that TV program when we were younger, if you're old enough, and that guy would walk around going, dynamite. And it was just a slang word. And didn't mean nothing other than that's cool. So he didn't say, you shall receive coolness here. Dynamite. No, he said, you shall receive dunamis. But notice the connection here. You shall receive dunamis when... I don't know. He said, when? I don't know. No, he said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So notice the connection to dunamis, this dunamis power, this dynamic spiritual power would come on them and be theirs when the Holy Spirit came on them. Now see, when he made this statement to them, they, in their minds, were way familiar with what he was talking about. And they were way acquainted with this because he had told them the Holy Spirit and this power that was with you when I was here will be in you. Now some people like me when I got saved I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I had an experience I was like wow and then I would have experiences with God and think wow there oh there's a flash of power there's a flash of power And I remember thinking, but I need more power. And then I would read, you ever read? Newspaper, internet, read anything. But I'm reading the Bible. And I read along where it said, you shall receive, you know, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
And I, I remember telling the Lord, well, I got the Holy Spirit, I just didn't get the fire. In other words, I got the Holy Spirit, I didn't get the power. But here's the thing. Really, did I or didn't I? How would I know when I got it? This power, this dunamis. You know what I really was praying? Lord, I'm not feeling anything right now. I need some kind of experience. That's what I was praying. I just didn't know it. Because, you know, if you feel yourself, you're like, need power. That's what I need. Or I need more muscles. No, I've got to develop the ones I have. I need to put them into use. Hey, if there was a prayer to get developed muscles, I guarantee you I'd have already been using my faith and having bigger muscles and eating hostess cupcakes. But there ain't no prayer for that. Unless you know of one, and then I may question it. But you shall receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you will be a witness to me. So this power and being a witness is interconnected. So this is probably the question that I have this morning. If you're saved and have the Holy Spirit, do you have power? And if you have power... Is the power doing what it's supposed to? Are you waiting on the power? You know, or what, what's going on? It's not to condemn anybody, but it's to spark something in us and go, wait a minute. Now, Acts 10.38 says, Acts 10.38, which is later on, Peter, who traveled with Jesus, who was one of these people who did receive the power of the Spirit, said this concerning the Gentiles, non-Jewish people, who right then got filled with the Holy Spirit, he, he was explaining how God, it said in Acts 10.38, how God anointed, that means He put upon Him the Holy Spirit and power, same word, dunamis. Jesus, then He went about and used that dunamis to heal the sick. Somebody said, well, if I had that dunamis, that power, I could do something. And yes, you could. But what if just having it doesn't mean you're going to experience it to the degree you should? I want you to turn here. We've read this verse in this church on and off over the years, you know. I've preached from it. Mark's Gospel, the sixth chapter. And this I did not realize until uh, I was praying about the service this morning. Not this morning, but for the service the other day. Now Jesus here in verse 5 says, Mark 6, 5, and I'll wait till you get there. Actually, we'll read verse 2. We can all back up to verse 1. It's not a far trip. Then he went out, verse 1, from there, came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. You know, that's a profound statement in itself. His disciples chose to follow him. It didn't say he forced them in this journey to the next place they were going. It was, a, it was another choice. Hey, let's go here. Whether it was real conscious or not, they kept traveling. And they chose. And they said, or they went with him to his own country. His disciples followed him. You know, part of walking with God is going to be following Him in your journey. And I'll tell you what, they didn't jump in an Uber and drive. They walked. They sweated. 
they put in some effort. Notice this, verse 2, And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? They didn't understand his teaching altogether. They're like, man, he's got such wisdom. Where did this man uh, get these things? And what wisdom is this? They had heard other religious stuff. They're hearing something now, and it's a different kind of wisdom than they're used to. And they recognize he didn't get it where everybody else got their stuff from. He said, where to get this wisdom? And he said, in what wisdom is this which is given to him? Notice wisdom. Wisdom means skillful to apply things. So you could know something belongs and not be able to apply it correctly and get it into motion without wisdom. So he was not only baptized with the Holy Spirit and power, but he had wisdom. And, but what's interesting here is that such mighty works are performed by his hands. In other words, he would lay his hands on them, like he told us, all believers lay hands on the sick. And here it said they knew about it, but what's interesting, he had to have been preaching about it. He had to be sharing about it because they're hearing it. Because if you skip down to verse 5, there's a real interesting statement. He said, now he could do no mighty work there. Didn't say he wouldn't, it said he couldn't. Does this mean Jesus didn't have power? Did he not have this dunamis? Do you know that word right there, mighty work? If you look it up in the Greek, it says it's the exact same Greek word. You shall receive dunamis. He could not get that power to work for them. He could do no mighty work. In other words, he, it's the word Greek in the Greek, dunamis. He could do no dunamis. He couldn't get that power there to, to do something. The power was there. He had the power, but he said he couldn't. So... What is the key to this power if we have it as a spirit-filled believer to getting it to work? Because Jesus was attempting to get this power in motion, this dunamis. This is the exact same dunamis that he said you would receive, which he had already had when he got baptized in the river, the Spirit descended on him, and he received dunamis, dynamite, where we get that word power, and he said he could do no mighty work. In other words, he could do no dunamis. He couldn't release power. He couldn't, couldn't, he couldn't do any mighty works. But a lot of places he did mighty works. Why? It says right here, just heal a few sick people, but no mighty works. And then it says in verse 6, And he marveled because of their unbelief. Notice the power and person's belief had some kind of component to making it work. Most people know the story of that woman who cut him and touched the hem of his garment, and it said power or dunamis went out of him. And the Lord looked around and said, who did this? Notice the power was there, but it didn't do anything. What if you and I, as a believer, a spirit-filled believer, already have all the power we need? Didn't he have all the power he needed to do a work in them? You know, because sometimes people think, well, if God ever wants to do something, He'll do it. And if He don't, it won't happen. And then they'll say stuff like this. God is in control. 
Then we got a country song, Jesus, take the wheel. If you let go of the wheel and you're supposed to be driving, you're going to crash. Don't get mad at me. I'm not, not, not mocking the song. Okay, somebody likes it. But where does it ever say God's in control? Do you know in the Old Testament, the Bible said that the children of Israel limited the Holy One of God? Now, I know that sounds weird, but just think about it. If God's in control, what in the world is He doing with the world? Why pray about anything if everything is God? And all the, I mean, how many murders happen and wars and stuff? Why pray for peace in Jerusalem? If God's in control, if God was in control, you would have been here last week, the week before, and the week before. You'd be on time. You'd be tithing. You'd be giving. You'd be forgiving. Everybody would be if God was in control. Otherwise, you're going to have to say, if you say, no, God wants some people to go do wrong then you have to think, then God's not a good God. And he told people, resist temptation. Why would he tell people, that, why would you give an account for your life if there's no, nothing to give an account to? Because God was in control. How many people have struggled in their walk with God as a believer, and when I know the Lord wants me to do this, and I'm pulled this way to do this, God may be drawing you one way, the enemy can be drawing you the other way, your flesh can be drawing you, but there's a human factor. Otherwise, there's no free will. And the Bible said, whosoever will, let him come. Whoever will not, that's a choice. But if God's in control of everything, then one, I need a verse... You remember the temptation of Jesus? Remember that? He got tempted. So was God in control in sending the devil to tempt his son? Boy, that's a good God. Remember Jesus when he taught about knowing God? He said, if you ask for bread, will he give you a stone? If you ask for this, will he give you a scorpion instead? He said, if you being natural and evil know how to give good things to your Father, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good things? In other words, He won't give you something totally opposite. But people say, well, if God's in control. Just go tell that to a little girl who gets raped. What's God trying to work out? God's not in control. There's a devil. And there's a sin nature. And then he turned the earth over to man. And how many of us have struggled with God even in our own life when we know, hey, i got to go do this, and, and you're tempted not to do it, and then you maybe didn't do it. Was God in control? Because if God is in control, then how deep is our relationship really with God? How rich is my relationship with, with you guys if I'm in control and I'm manipulating your choices? You're going to call me. And we're going to talk. And that's all on me. And if you don't, that was all on me. We got a rich relationship. Amen. I mean, does God really want bad to happen? No. Hell, even the Bible tells us, Jesus taught this, hell was not made for man. Actually, hell was made, the Bible tells us in the Gospels, for the demons that left, or the angels that left their first estate. Even though man will go there, it was never intended for man. As a matter of fact, Christ in his plan through his death, paid for all men. Didn't he say that? He paid for all, but he was only kidding. He really didn't want all. Even though in Timothy it said God wills 
that all men would be saved. So God's will does not always come to pass, even though He wants it. I mean, how many times have we prayed for people, somebody came here who was lost, and I've talked to them after when they gave their life to the Lord. They're like, man, I've been struggling with doing this for a couple of weeks. I've known it. I just didn't want to. I was struggling with it. Well, didn't God want that for him two weeks ago or three weeks ago or four years ago or whenever? But there's a human factor. But could we do something? What if we're just thinking it's all on God? What if He has given us His power to do something with this power? And just like here where it said, and He could do no mighty work, could do... And you can look this up in a concordance or Vine's Greek expository dictionary. It says He could do no dunamis. See, God anointed Him with the Holy Spirit in dunamis so He could do this. But he said he couldn't do it. If Jesus was in control of everything on the earth, why did people try to kill him? He said, nobody can take my life away. I have to lay it down. But people attempted. You know, there's a real good clue to let you know that God wasn't in charge of that. Even though it was within God's plan... That he die, if you read 1 Corinthians 2, it tells us, had these principalities, these unseen powers, known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Who drove those people? Demons. Principalities and powers. The same ones in Ephesians 6 that we wrestle with. Those people wrestled with it. We know it. Man, the leader's wife has a dream. Don't do harm to this man. And he said he had pressure from all the people. And they're, they're like, and they didn't even know they were being manipulated by the devil. And he gave way to that pressure. And they killed him. But really, what was driving it? God wasn't in control, even though it was God's plan for him to sacrifice and die. They were driven by evil. Amen. Let me say that again. Amen. That means so be it. Or that's the way it is. You could go through all kinds of things. If the Bible said God wills that none would perish, but all would come to repentance and to the knowledge of the truth, that is what He wants. How many of us have known God's will in our life if we've served God any length of time and did it and didn't do it? And the timid hands rise everywhere. Amen? So he said he could do, and it said he marveled because of their unbelief. And then it said he fixed, went to fix their unbelief. So how do you know that? Because unbelief is a lack of understanding of the truth, or a lack of acting on the truth they had. And so he did what? So he went about in the villages in a circuit, just around and around, Teaching. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. He was trying to fix their unbelief. So that's why we share the gospel with people. Because faith is not automatic. It just doesn't fall on you like ripe cherries off of a tree. You know, or, or leaves in the fall. Oh, isn't that pretty? It landed on me. No, faith comes by hearing. That's why the Great Commission has sharing the gospel everywhere. Because why? Because everywhere the Word goes... Faith goes. Wherever the word does not go, faith does not go. And if faith isn't there, by grace have you been saved through faith? Well, if you don't have faith, you can't accept the grace. And you're in trouble. 
And so no wonder countries will close their borders. And you ever notice what communist countries do when they close their border? You could tell it's of the enemy. You know why? Because they don't allow people to preach the gospel. And then when other religions rise up, you can't preach the gospel there. And in our politically correct world today, you're allowed to talk about everything but one thing. The thing that will save you. The good news. That's offensive. It says it's the only way. Well, if it's the only way, whether it's offensive or not, we need to offend. Now, not to be offensive, but offenses will come, the Bible said. Some of the things we'll share will be offensive. We can't adjust. I mean, we can be as wise as Mary Poppins, but we can adjust. We don't adjust and water it down. You say, what do you mean as wise as Mary Poppins? Remember her? She was a great prophet of God who flew around with an umbrella. Okay, that's false. But, but what was Mary Poppins' old saying? A spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. And, you know, he said in Proverbs 4, My word is medicine to all your flesh. And in the New Testament, we see where it says, speaking the truth with sugar, no, with love, may grow up. So we could be wise. Some things just don't need to be said. Some battles will close people out. And then you can't even get the truth to them. But some things just have to be said at certain times. Amen? What if there is power in you, if you're saved and filled with the Spirit, that just needs to get out? What if you have the exact same dunamis power in you that is to affect every area of your life, but maybe isn't? And we've been taught, well, if it's God's will or God's in control of this situation, what if you're allowed to be in control of certain situations? What if you are in control of certain situations? What if James 4-7 was in the book called the Bible and he said, submit to God, you do that then you resist the devil, and the devil will leave you. Not God, you. Who's in control then? What if every writer in the New Testament, whether it was James, or Peter, or Paul, or whoever the writer was, what if all of them said, dealing with the devil is not up to God, but up to you? What if Paul said, neither give place to him? What if Jesus said the same thing in Mark 16? You exercise authority over him. How can I do that? What if Peter said, resist him steadfast in the faith? What if you have the power to do it? But if you don't do anything, or I don't do anything, it doesn't go into motion. What if you have... What if you have the exact same dunamis right now in you? If you're saved and filled, and you, you have that in you, the same power that Jesus attempted to heal people with, and other times did, what if it can affect every area of life? But if I don't know it, I don't avail to it, it doesn't happen. What if? Everybody knows this verse. So he could do no dunamis there. He could no, do, do no demonstration of power there. Now turn to 2 Timothy. 
A lot of people know this, but in the context of what we're talking about here, this may be a lot of people's, you know, one of those, one of those verses that people go, man, that's one of my favorites. Anybody have a favorite verse? Or a verse you're like, man, this just really speaks to me. And hopefully it's not the one in John where it says, and Jesus wept. <laughs> I just relate to that. Thank God we can relate to other things too. He can help us. 2 Timothy 1 you know, it'd be worth, this, worth it to read. Well, let's read verse 7 first. For God has not given to us, this is the believers, a spirit of fear. Now, let me ask you this. Has fear ever come to you? Fear ever spoke to you? The economy's turning. It's not going to work out for you. <gasps> Fear ever come? Oh, you know, remember your grandma had that and they had to cut her leg off. Fear comes. How many people fear comes to them? Everybody. But what if he starts this thing off and goes, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. But fear approaches everybody. Oh, you can endure temptation, but not this time. You're going to be overcome. This is uh, just too big. And... <gasps> God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. But... What, what, but, but what? But power, it's the same dunamis. Same Greek word. There are different words, but this is the same one that Jesus was anointed with. You have the same... He, he didn't say you, Timothy. He said us, as believers, have dunamis. Some people just need to be bold enough to go, you know what? I don't care what religion says. I care what the Word of God said. I don't care what I feel. I believe what the Word of God said. And if he said, I don't have fear, that's not coming, and that's not coming from God, but God has given me a spirit of dunamis, the same dunamis, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in me. Romans 8.11 When I got saved, this isn't for the world. They have to get saved and filled. This is for the kingdom people. God does not expect us to be overrun. But that's what we've been taught. Can't we just think of all the scriptures? You know, like Romans 8.31, how we're uh, you know, more than conquerors through Him who loved us, and He names a bunch of things. 2 Corinthians 2.14, you know, that we always triumph. You know, he, 1 Corinthians 15, He always leads us in victory. 1 John, you know... He, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And you go on and talk about triumphing in Christ. But we've taught, been taught that we're to be overcome and run over by everything. Was Jesus run over by everything? Were the disciples run over? No. Did they have tests and trials? Persecution? Yes, because we live in a fallen world. So you can't stop all that, but you can live as more than a conqueror. Didn't Paul live like more than a conqueror? I mean, didn't he go through a bunch of stuff? When, it, when trouble comes, the first thing you need to ask is not, what's God trying to teach me in this? Because that's not what Jesus did when a storm came. He didn't go, what's God trying to teach me in this? Then when they woke him up, he said, I rebuke you, storm. See, that sounds nuts. But why be religious and have power that is left dormant? Like my prayer when I first got saved, Lord, I need power. Really, what I was not asking for was power. 
I was asking for an experience, some feeling, and if I could feel it, I've got it. But you understand this spiritual power that changes things. And notice this verse. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a power, dunamis, and a spirit of love. It's in there. Somebody said, I need to find it. It's there. Somebody said, I saw somebody who's a Christian. They didn't have that. They do. It's hidden. Just like that one with the talents. You know, one was given five, one was given two, and the other one took it and wrapped it in a napkin and hid it. I don't want to hide it. Don't you think God wants His power on display? So you know what we ought to do is everybody just cram to one side of the room and everybody go, let's see your power over there, Lord. No, His power is just going to come through us. Through you. Notice this. Power, love, sound mind, self-control. Notice the very next verse. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord Jesus, or the Lord. Why should I not be ashamed? Because I've got a spirit of power. I've got a spirit of love. I've got the spirit of a sound mind, right thinking. I've got that. You've got dunamis. Why be ashamed? Well, what will they think? What if the power is demonstrated? Then their thinking is going to be uh, altered by not just human wisdom. Remember Paul said, not by human wisdom of man's persuasion, but by demonstration of the Spirit and power. And then here he goes on to say, notice this, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel. There are sufferings in the gospel. You know what they are? When people persecute you for your stand for Christ. But you want to know how he said to deal with this? Look at this. As prisoners, he said, don't be ashamed of the testimony or me, Christ's prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to this power. What? No wonder these guys were like, they suffered for preaching, and they would be like singing songs when they were martyred. Because they did it by the power of God. Peter, the Bible, or Stephen, when it happened to him, it said his face began to shine like an angel. What if they knew verses like in Peter? Peter said this. He said, happy are you if you suffer for righteousness sake. He said, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. What if we haven't tapped into this, but it belongs to us? I remember a guy one time, his car broke down. He took it, or didn't break down. He got in an accident. He turned it in, and then he went and rented a car. Anybody know how that happens? You know, you get in an accident, turn your car in, need a rental car so you can get around, see that out of your skateboard or your bike or your hooves. So he went and got a rental car. Three days in, he realized, I've got free rental car in my insurance. And he's been paying for something doing something that he didn't have to be doing. His approach was wrong. He didn't know what belonged to him. And notice he said, do this according to this power that's in you. Now let's go back. This is the same dunamis that they had in Acts 1. The same dunamis, the same spirit from Jesus' life. Notice this, and we'll read one more verse after this, but let's back up to verse 6. Right before 
he explains these things. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. There was some kind of gift he got through the laying on of my hands. Well, we know how he received the Holy Spirit. He received the Lord and they laid hands on him and he got filled with the Holy Spirit just like Paul did to that group of people in Ephesus when he said, you know, he found disciples. He said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they laid their, he laid his hands on them. They were filled with the Spirit. Or the same thing with Peter and John when Philip preached and the whole area turned to the Lord. What did they say? When they heard Philip sent news to the church of Jerusalem, Peter and John were sent down and laid hands on them after they had given their lives to the Lord that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Well, what was that Spirit like? Power. Love, self-control. God's dunamis, power in you, ability. You have dunamis. And he said, here, you have this. He said, we have it. But then he made this statement in verse 6. Therefore, I remind you. Do you have to be reminded of everything in life? But there are, not always, but some things it's necessary. And he said, I remind you. This letter is to this group and to this young minister, Timothy. He said, I remind you. So he had told him before. If I say, hey, you know, call. I'm reminding you. That means I told you before. He said, I remind you. To stir up the gift of God. What is this gift of God? This power. This spirit. The spirit of power. The spirit of love. The spirit of a sound mind. The one that Jesus said in John 7. If anybody thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his innermost being would flow rivers of living water. Thus he spoke of the Holy Spirit who was not yet given because he had not died and risen. So this is for a believer. And he said, stir this up in you. You know how to stir it up, right? Watch football all day long. Makes the power of God effective. Read everything but your Bible. Talk about everything but God. And that'll stir it up. Live your life totally any way you want to. Make priorities everything but God. And that'll stir it up said nobody in the Bible ever. But how can you get things stirred up? Well, there's various ways. He told them to do it yourself. But you know, you could be stirred up by hearing. Peter said, while I'm here before I die, I'm going to keep preaching this to stir up your pure mind. So that when I'm gone, you think this way, you function this way. See, we don't want you to have a good sermon. Oh, that was good. And then you forget about it halfway through the week. And then he said, stir up yourself. So if Peter used knowledge to stir them, then we should use knowledge to stir ourselves. You know, you can stir the pure mind, but how many of us have had our unpure mind stirred? Oh, now everybody's looking, wait, I don't know what they're talking about. Oh, yeah, you know, you know what so-and-so did? These politician or this, you know, this company and they're, they're raising their prices and all of them are. You know how that doesn't stir your pure mind up. That could stir up your unpure mind. What do these people think they're doing? That's stirring up something not the right way. Because why? Why should we be bothered if we have dunamis in us to meet anything? What if I've got power to meet anything? But I'm minimizing the power. Let's close over here in 1 Peter 1. Everybody okay? 1 Peter 1. If you've got this power, I thought it would just happen automatically. 
Notice the component of trust to release this power. You know, there are components to releasing things. In the Bible, we know just through praise, He inhabits the praises of His people. That we know there are various things in the Scripture to release this. Notice 1 Peter 1, verse 5. It says this, Who are kept, talking about the believers, who are kept... In other words, in our walk, in everything we face, are kept by the power of God through faith. In other words, God's faith, the component we add to it to help us and preserve us, is our trust. Our faith, our belief that this power can keep us, help us, and notice this. You are kept by the power of God through the component of faith for salvation. Well, salvation is not just born again. Look at the word in the Greek. It means to be made whole. It means to be protected from harm, from harassment of the enemy, for, for healing, provision, protection. You look it up. And he said, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. In other words, when the Lord comes back, it'll all be revealed. But we're kept in this walk by this trust. But notice what's going to do it. It's power. This is not self-help power. We all have power. No, this is Holy Spirit power that's promised to the believer to help them to walk this life, this is a mark that makes us different than any other religion in the world. Because we have, we have become the temple of the living God as individuals, and His Spirit then lives in us. Amen. What if we would uh, get saved... Give our life to the Lord and then start believing we have this power that He said we had. What if I could come up on a problem that is talking fear to me? David knew this and he wasn't even born again. Spirit of fear approached him. Was breathing through Goliath on everybody. I'm going to kill all of you said all of them were trembling. Their knees were knocking. David comes up, who's got a relationship with God, and he said, why are you letting him talk like this? See, that spirit of fear was trying to get them to back down like they don't have ability, like they're not in a covenant with God, like he's not going to help them in this area, maybe something else. No, whatever the area, he will help you. Now you understand, when you're doing this with other people, there's wills involved. Amen? So I can release this dunamis and pray for somebody else, but they still have to yield. But when it comes to me and comes to your life, you can release this for you. Are you with me? I mean, after I recommitted my life to the Lord in 1985 in September, I remember this, that a couple of years before, there were opportunities I could have given my life to the Lord. One, people didn't know how to harvest and lead me in. And two, I had my own will involved. So you can pray, and it doesn't mean God's not working, but when it comes to you, you know, then you've got some say-so, and you can do something. Amen? And so he said, we're kept by this dunamis. It's the same word. Through faith. So here's a question. 
Do believers and does the body of Christ have power that they're not using? Here's a question. Did the disciples have power that they didn't use? Remember when they went to cast out a demon? Out of that one man and it said they couldn't get the demon out and then Jesus came and said, how long will I suffer you? Bring him to me. And then he cast him out. Then it said when they went alone by themselves, they said, how come we couldn't? Now think about it. Earlier on, it said he gave them power to do it. So they knew they had the power to do it. They had the dunamis. But they said, why couldn't we get this dunamis to work? And Jesus told them, it's because of your unbelief. You didn't believe. You were moved too much by sight. You were moved too much by appearance. You were not kept and held in place by the Word of God. You were letting everything else push you around instead of holding firm and believing. And that's where Jesus got the victory for them, but He wanted them to get the victory. Hey, we may not know everything, but where God gives us light, every believer that's saved and filled with the Spirit should be walking around going, I've got power. I've got a well. How I get that from here out, I don't know, but there's a big difference between me getting it out and me trying to go find it and get it. Isn't it true? Because I work with totally different tools. Right? I'm out exploring, trying to find water. But if I know I've got a well and I see it down there, I'm, gonna use, I'm not going to walk around using a bucket to try and find water. No, I'm going to use those two sticks, you know, that the Beverly Hillbillies use or Gilligan used or whoever used. You know, you know what I mean? How, find it. Oh, there it is. That's not how you're going to get the water out. That's how, that's how you're going to find it. I know that's TV. But you're going to use different tools. So I'm going to go look for vines. To, to, and then I'm going to do something to make some kind of something that I can pull water up and out with. I'm going to use totally different things. And here's an interesting scripture. With joy on your lips. It says draw from the well. That is salvation. Your lips are going to help you get it out. Like saying, I can do all things through Christ who empowered me. 